Hi and welcome everyone to the 49th episode of Serum Rocks. This is Marcus Alonson and today's podcast will be about get your user adoption going. And with me today I have Gretchen Apfrikyu from PowerObject HCL. Gretchen Apfrikyu is the Director of Education at PowerObjects HCL where she oversees both internal employee development as well as customer trainings and community involvement. Having worked with Dynamic CRM since 2006, Gretchen has over 200 implementations under her belt. She has been awarded Microsoft Dynamic CRM MVP for the last four years and has been named one of the CRM user group's all-stars. Her passion is speaking to user groups about CRM best practices, architecture, design, marketing, training, and user adoption. Welcome back, Gretchen. Hello, thank you for having me. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, just going through the rest of winter here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. What's a good customer relationship for you? Well, it's funny that you should ask about that because I have actually just finished some client meetings this week, which reminded me of what a good customer relationship is for us. It's when customer thinks of me and, and my team as advisors and actually thinks of us as um, people who have a lot of experience who can come alongside and advise on best practices and um, direction and give good advice. So that that's really a great relationship to have when the client sees us as uh, providing a lot of value in that regard. So that's a good customer. And are you looking for like a customer profile as well? No, um, not really. I, I'm, it's more like CRM is about managing your customer relations. So then how is a good customer relation? Mm-hmm. What is it like to manage a good customer relationship in terms yeah. of um, keeping in contact with the customer on a regular basis, providing information that the customer can consume on their own? Because I think everybody knows now that customers are doing a lot of their own research. So giving them a lot of information that they can consume and research in addition to talking to you. And um, yeah, that's about all I can think about. <laughs> okay. Who are your customer? At PowerObjects HCL, we actually work with a lot of different customers. Everyone who's using Dynamics 365 is a customer or people who are exploring using it. So from a single person company to hundreds of thousands of people, um, we will work for all, with all size customers. Um, but my team that focuses on education, when we're working with clients, we are very often working with large enterprise customers who are deploying CRM for hundreds or thousands of users uh, regionally or globally. So that's our education team's customer. So what is it that you do? Well, at 
the very basics, we help our clients with their training planning and training deployment. So we can help clients build materials. We can help clients do, tra we can tra train the trainer and or even co-teach end user training with clients. But we also have some advanced level services such as doing some adopt user adoption assessments with clients and even we have some certified change management consultants who will help the client longer term with their change management communication and training strategies to make sure that they're achieving their business goals. So we have all levels of services for different needs of clients. How do I know that I need to get my user adoption going or, or in need of a kickstart? Well, what we're experiencing a lot these days is clients coming to us who have had experiences doing deployments in the past and realizing that they failed and or they didn't achieve the business results that they had. So there is a demand now for people uh, who are or in organizations that are focusing more on success and what it takes to get the kind of adoption that um, that they're wanting. And so that's, that's new deployments. People who are rolling out for the first time, um, Dynamics 365. And then there's people who have Dynamics 365 already, and they're either hearing anecdotally that they are not getting the adoption, um, that people aren't using it. Maybe they're hearing some negative things, or they may be measuring adoption using things like the organizational insights in Dynamics 365 online or dashboards to see that people aren't creating records and so we're not getting adoption. A customer comes to you and say, okay, we want to change the UI or say they want to upgrade from 2011 to something beyond that, say all the way to Dynamics 365. What's what's their uh, what are they up for? Yeah, that might be a scenario where a client comes to us and they are upgrading. And what we try to gauge with um, an organization that's upgrading is how is their current adoption. So if their current adoption is great, and they're just introducing new features or new. Um, you know, great new UI that, you know, Dynamics 365, for example, that the December 2016 release has a nice new slick UI. So if you're just enhancing what the employees are already using, um, that's a pretty easy task because you're just giving them update training. But what a, a situation that we run into a lot is a lot of organizations are not getting the adoption that they want from the current version and they're looking at an update to the UI or an enhancements that they're rolling out, they're looking at that as an opportunity to relaunch and recapture the attention of the employees that are, are supposed to be using this. And um, in that scenario, we really, really want to look at more than just the new features and the technology. We want to look at what's, what are the other reasons that adoption is low right now because it probably isn't 
a hundred percent that the technology is outdated it's or that they don't have the features that they want there's probably other contributing factors um, and so we want to make sure in addition to rolling out great new features we're also um, laying in the success factors for adoption it might be that they're changing some UI then, but say that you have your scenario where there are thousands of users and they are already struggling and then they are doing some major UI changes, like I suggested, say say four to Dynamics 365 then. A lot of pop-ups are going to disappear, uh, perhaps the users aren't going to recognize themselves in the process at all. So yeah. how do you phase on that kind of scenario or that task? Yeah. I mean, in a scenario like that, we probably look at it almost as a brand new deployment. Because if you have a small percentage of people using it, really a larger percentage of people need to be trained probably like it's the first time. So between the differences in the UI and the fact that people haven't been using it, they need a full training. And um, and so we would probably treat it, like I said, like a brand new deployment and work on getting the um, all the success factors of user adoption as part of that deployment. Would you consider as well as they might have missed things in the process before so they have they had a process before crm at all and then they adopted crm and things might be missing or people aren't aware of the process changes that they did to incorporate dynamics and now they think that something is missing do you sort of get out in the organization u.s power objects to try to find what is the problem from a user perspective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, there's a ton of things that we would evaluate. So definitely a misalignment in the process, very common. Um, you know, if you're going from 4.0 or a later version to today, chances are your business has changed in that amount of time too. So the process that CRM is designed to support might be outdated, might not be aligned with what people are currently doing now. So that could be a real reason for lack of adoption. But I would say one of the most popular or the most common reasons for lack of adoption, hopefully it's not popular, is uh, a lack of accountability and a lack of awareness and buy-in by all of the business leaders and all of the employees that this is important to our organization and this is what we're doing now. I think oftentimes organizations deploy CRM, whether it's an initial deployment or an update, they deploy it as a technology and a technology training and they don't set the expectations for employees that this is what, what you're supposed to do now. I mean, it's implied but there's no real clear example for them and maybe even their manager hasn't shown them exactly what's expected of them. So that's the mistake we see people making over and over. I call it the if you build it, they will come scenario. Um, Dynamics 365 is really awesome. It has awesome features, but employees aren't going to 
pro- most employees aren't just going to glom on to it because it's a technology. They, they need to be shown how to get results with it and what's expected of them and how that ties into their job role and their accountability. So you're out in the organization and and you're looking for this misalignment. Is it often that you hear new things about the user's model or their way of working that you've never heard from that customer before? At this point in my career, I very, very rarely hear things that I've never heard before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but but never heard from sort of that customer. Okay, we're doing X, but then you're coming to some office. Oh, no, we're doing Y, Z, and W yes. as well. And you've never heard of these things, even if you heard of them from other customer, but that this particular customer, you've never heard that they did those things. Yeah, I mean, it's actually very common when you're planning something. Let's just say that you're planning a deployment of 1,500 users and you have a big spreadsheet and you're mapping out where they're located and all these things. It looks easy, right? 1,500 people, just bing, bing, bang, just go around the world, train them. The devil's in the details, right? Once you start digging in and start, you know, asking things like what kind of process each of these groups follow and what's their current technical ability and, you know, what's their internet connection like and what's their language, um, you know, cross-lingual ability and just all of a sudden you find the complexities that you didn't think of. And I think that's... um, that's really critical with adoption is actually to dig in deep and not just make a high level plan and then just start doing it. So in, in scenarios like this, do you just take that back? Okay, we have to fix this before we do, do the rollout or is this too late or how do you think about that? I don't think there's one answer to that question. I mean, it would really be a, a discussion with with within the organization about whether you're ready to go or not, so whether there's a showstopper or not. Is it often then that you find showstoppers? I don't think so. I think there's. it's not often to find a showstopper. I think there's adjustments to plans that are made. Sometimes it's decided to... Um, you know, maybe do a pilot at some point to mitigate more, you know, risk in the project, or it might be decided to roll out more in a phased approach or to um, take a a certain group and and delay just that group. But I don't think it's usually a complete showstopper if you find issues that are going to, adoption issues or potential adoption issues due to any of the things that we mentioned. Okay, so it's rare that uh, you find things and then, okay, we're delayed three months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's occasionally that scenario with any deployment where, you know, we dig into this particular country and we realize that, you know, they're using a system that's nobody knew, (laughs) you know, knew about, you know. (laughs) Oh, great. They're using, you know, Marketo for marketing and we never discovered that. So, um, you know, that could cause cause problems, but not necessarily related to adoption. 
Oh, you have this SharePoint list with all of the customers listed. Uh, okay. Yeah, this portal that they're logging into, you know. Yeah, things like that do happen. Okay, so what if the the customer is coming to you and saying, okay, we want to adopt new areas of Dynamics 365 and Dynamics CRM, and the customer wants to do projects or cases that they've never done before. How do you think about the user adoption and how to get that going then? Yeah, I think it's the same. Um, if you're deploying CRM or if you are... Uh, rolling out enhancements, the considerations are always the same with adoption. You just want to make sure that um, it's not just a technology focus of, hey, everybody look at this feature, but it's a process focus of, here's what you do today, and uh, with this new capability, you can now do it faster, better, serve our customers better, whatever it is. We're showing the value. Just making sure that whatever we're delivering to employees is really valuable, that we're able to tell that story of how valuable it is. So no matter what it is, and I think technical teams, we love technical teams, but they get very excited about technology, and they assume and think that everybody does. And there's really probably in a lot of organizations maybe only a 20 or 30 percent of the employees who are actually going to get excited about the technology itself and be like, I want to use new technology. Um, so we have to talk to them about what it actually, what what's in it for them and what um, any anything that we're going to give them, what it means to them. And like I mentioned before, the expectations of them. Are we rolling out a new feature because this is a nice to have and you can use it if you want or are we rolling this out because everybody needs to use it now and you need to have it um, mastered by you know next week so we just we need to be really clear what the expectations are going back to your values there that that you're sure that you're beating whatever they did before if that was that sharepoint list or that excel that they have on their desktop they just or <laughs> or pen and paper uh, that you're sure that you have something that gives them more value that then that they already are using. Yeah. And a lot of times that's where people struggle because in adopting any new technology, you're going to have a short term period where it's not faster. It doesn't matter how much better it is. It's not faster because you had mastered I mean, I've seen people work in a call center who have mastered completely rudimentary systems and fly through them like no tomorrow. So going through a new system, no matter how streamlined it is, is going to be slower. And that's what we have to get over. Some people never get over that hump because they put smoke screens up right away and say, you know, this this is too many clicks or this is I don't like this or other smoke screens and they never end up doing it. <laughs> hands in the air okay i surrender i surrender yep we can't believe those smoke screens though so if you have someone that's doing something like that how do you address problems like this uh how do i address problems where 
where where people are putting up smoke screens where you sort of okay what's the real problems have you been scarred before or something like this perhaps they've had some different implementation that just gone to some bad place yeah so what we try to do is we give people direct assignments to complete and it could be a series of assignments but we want them to focus on what it is that they need to get done um, rather than focus on learning a new technology or learning a new process and take yeah take the focus on you know a lot of times after training we're like okay we'll just go in this week and start entering your leads and you know maybe somebody gives it a try maybe they never give it a try um, but if there's nothing, no goal that they need to shoot for, nothing that they need to have done, they can put it off forever. And so we try to create a series of of things that they need to have done by, by a certain timeline. And I actually picked this up at the CRMUG uh, this past fall at the summit. I heard one company talking about how they had, they started with, I can't remember if it was accounts or something, but they taught accounts one week and they had everyone put in their accounts and then they taught contacts the next week and they had everyone put in contacts and they taught opportunities the next week and had everyone put in all their opportunities. But that may not work for all organizations, but it was a neat concept because it really created, well, I can just imagine like a group um, just kind of a group team building effort and also just this accountability of like we're all in there we're all looking at each other's records and next week we're all going to be back here and we're all going to be ready to take the next step so in focusing on that versus I'm learning a new technology is is a huge distraction to be focusing on um, getting business done so I love it try to do that so they they've taken it piece by piece then so they don't overwhelm the users as well then yeah and they're giving them short-term goals i always recommend less than a week short-term goal and ideally if the manager could be looking at their uh, accomplishments versus some sort of operations person but the manager is saying okay on friday we're going to sit down and look through your accounts or we're going to bring up a dashboard in our team meeting and we're going to look at how many accounts we've entered this week or whatever the accountability is coming down from the manager. And then, um, you know, it's a group activity to just get to that goal. If the managers are following up this, so how do they following up that? Do you recommend them following up on number of accounts? Yeah, we have to come up with a strategy that works. Um, you know, as soon as you say, here's what I did, I, you know, taught accounts first and then contacts and opportunities, it's, you know, you're going to have a good majority of people who say, well, that wouldn't work for me because, well, I have 500 people and they're all over the world or whatever the scenario is. So um, whatever the strategy is, it has to have that element of, you know, I have a short-term goal and somebody has visibility and I'm accountable to getting to that goal and that somebody is somebody who I care about actually holding me accountable. <laughs> That's the hardest part, you know, is a lot of 
um, and I feel bad, but a lot of system administrators are sort of not in a position of authority. So they're told to drive adoption, but they just can o only do so much to help adoption because they're not the ones who are overseeing the employees. And I, I as an employee, care most about what my um, manager thinks. And if I don't care what my manager thinks, that's another problem. That's not a CRM problem at all. Um, but for the most part, that's true, that if my manager or somebody that I care about impressing or um, talking with somebody who I care about talking to will be looking at my work, then that's important. And you can also use team um, in some cultures. Um, team or publicly showing what people have done is appropriate. In other cultures, that doesn't work as well. Um, it's not advisable to expose everybody's performance to the rest of the team. So it's important to look at what your scenario is and devise a strategy that will work in your scenario or can be tested in your scenario. Yeah, you don't want the sort of wall of shame, right? Right. Speaking about uh, CRM UD, this uh, CRM Rocks podcast is brought to you by CRM UD, the global dynamic CRM user group with over 7,000 organizations and 80 local chapters worldwide. Hundreds of new and static virtual learning opportunities, including networking in a true peer-to-peer for-user, by-user environment. Connect, learn and share with other Dynamics 365 and CRM users like you at crmud.com. And this April 4th to 6th, 2017, CRMUG Summit EMEA is going to be in Amsterdam. Join us at summitemia.com. See you there. What do you think about uh, CRM UD? I can't recommend it enough. It's a great place to connect with other organizations that are doing the same thing you're doing to learn from them. And also uh, the number of experts that contribute to the CRM UG is just unparalleled from partners. I think partners who are implementing CRM on behalf of clients and MVPs um, who are mo often partners or independent contractors are also, all of them are um, facing these things every day, living it, and just have that real authentic knowledge. So I can't, I can't recommend the CRMUG enough as a source of technical knowledge as well as best practices and um, any learning around Dynamics 365. So. so if you are struggling with your user adoption, you might go to one of these local chapters or just post a question online how others have done it and, and just talk about it and see if you can get ideas. Yeah, there's very often uh, panel discussions in the live events, whether it be a webinar or um, one of the summits in EMEA or in North America. And you can often get a question answered, you know, by other companies that are doing this or by experts who are helping companies do this. So then I have a, another scenario for you to 
to to think about or answer for me. So the customer is coming to you and and they've noticed somehow, I'm not sure how, but they've noticed that their adoption is dropping ever so slowly. It's not very fast, but it's steadily creeping down and they're not happy about that because they would rather see him going up. So what do I do if I have a scenario like that? Well, I think the most common thing that people will jump to is I want to do just a bunch of activities like maybe I should do some reinforcement trainings or tips and tricks or lunch and learns but ultimately those activities they are good but they are good for organizations that where the people already want to adopt um, so you have to look with more insight at the organization as why people are not using it what would motivate them to use it and I mentioned before about managers, but the most common scenario we see is when we analyze an organization, we see teams, entire teams, or maybe even countries that aren't using it, and other teams and countries that are for the most part. And what really stems from what it really stems from is the managers or the leaders on those teams casting the vision and helping their teams with how this fits into their daily life. So that's the very most common scenario. It could be that there's other things preventing. So doing a survey and saying, you know, what do you like about Dynamics 365? How does it help you? Um, what do you think could be improved? Doing uh, focus groups with people, maybe even picking on people who you feel like their adoption is gone down and talking with them and just saying, you know, what would be valuable for you in the application. Um, but you have to definitely be ready to listen if you start asking those questions. And, um, and that will hopefully give you some things that you can actually do to help solve the problems. Yeah, I've noticed that one of the most poisonous things that you can do is is have users state their sort of wishes or problems and then you follow up nothing with them not even <laughs> telling them it's not feasible or not probable you just make them spend time and effort and then do nothing with that at all yeah yeah, if I had a dime for every single time I've heard a manager say or a leader say that our employees will do what they're told, then I would probably be retired in Jamaica or the Caribbean somewhere. Because I hear it, that's, I hear all the time that our employees will do what they're told and people actually are, you know, there are entry-level positions where that may be true and, you know, high turnover positions where you either cut it or you're out. But when it actually comes down to it, most of the CRM users that we're talking about are people with a lot of autonomy in their roles, and they aren't motivated just by being told what to do. They need to understand the reasons, and they need to have a voice into the process. And even if they suggest something that, they that is absolutely ridiculous like i would like crm to you know display a unicorn every time i click this button yeah that you would know, be we, fun yes i think it should do that but um but i think 
you know, we need to give them a reason why this, you know, this is a neat suggestion, but it would impact, you know, other people negatively or just have a dialogue with them. And we're not asking them to design CRM. They're not CRM experts, but giving them a voice is, and it can be done on a broad scale, even with thousands of users, you can give the uh, what I call bi-directional communication or give them the opportunity to request a new feature or say something about the application. Okay, two things here. The first one, do managers really say that users are going to do what they're told? I mean, that is implying users will only do what they're told and that's not desirable at all, right? Right, right, <laughs> exactly. That's I mean, why I say you want you want people that you work with that are thinking for themselves. I mean, if you have ten people thinking or ten thousand people are thinking about a problem, I mean, what's the potential? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's managers, and I can relate as I manage a team. You know, they would like to be able to speak and have. Um, you know, every word that they say be taken note of and executed. <laughs> so they would like to think, hey, I just say say to my team, you know, this is what we're doing, and everyone on the team jumps on board. But I think what managers underestimate is the amount of work that they are actually going to, more than just speaking it, they're actually going to have to do some work to um, to drive the adoption in their team and to set the example and to use CRM for managing the team or use the metrics from CRM for running their business. So um, it takes work and a lot of people want CRM to do the work, but they don't want to do the work themselves. <laughs> so they're excited that CRM's here to do the work. <laughs> Okay, so now we get the, the, the new and shiny, and, and in this scenario, that's a CRM or Dynamics 365, and oh yeah, that's the silver bullet that's going to solve cure for cancer and everything. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it is, a great, it is a great tool, but there's a lot of, you know, you can buy a really great car. It's one of my favorite analogies, but of course, someone has to drive that car. Uh, down the highway, so um, that would be. Yeah, and you the still have leaders. to refuel it, and you still have to maintain that car. Yes. Do you often encounter where you sort of have this train the trainer scenario, but the ones people that you're going to train are the most talented people already there, and they already have a tight and busy schedule and. They have things to do. They have a work already. And now you're just adding more, more work to them. What do you do? It's funny you should ask that because that's a lot of what my team does is augment uh, the capacity of our clients. There, there might be a capability scenario where our clients don't have people internally with the capability to lead a training 
um, planning and, and execute a training, but oftentimes it's also a capacity thing that they maybe have a corporate training team, a corporate training team with very high standards of excellence, but they don't have the bandwidth for this new program that just came up. So um, it's definitely a scenario where you may need to augment your team with some additional people who can, and the way I describe to clients is that we come in and we're kind of the wind beneath their wings, uh, to quote Bette Medler here, we're the wind beneath their wings to help them um, accomplish their goals, but yet we're behind the scenes um, and enabling them. So they still are rolling out the training, they still are owning the training materials when, when we're gone, but we have helped them through that, um, the crunch time of getting it out, getting it done. Do you do self-training or webinars in this scenario? Yeah, uh, self-paced training instead of live instructor-led training is an option that we're always looking at and always looking at as part of the training program. But even self-paced training, e-learning, can be very uh, time-consuming to develop a good quality e-learning. So it's not going to get you out of a time crunch if, or a bandwidth crunch. Um, you can do poor quality training very quickly. Um, what we see a lot of organizations doing is um, recording web-based training or recording live training and rolling that out. That's the quickest and cheapest way to roll out some training, but it is absolutely the worst way to engage employees in any sort of change in technology. So I would say that that maybe w would work for a new feature or an optional um, system or system feature that is a nice to have, but if you're trying to drive behavior and try drive change in process or change in technology, then you want to invest in quality, um, quality a way of engaging employees and s getting their attention and saying, talking to you, you need to do something different tomorrow than you are doing today. And then you're talking more or less live either live or if you do e-learning or self-paced it just needs to be well thought out and it needs to be engaging and you know good scenarios that connect with the employee and so um, it's always uh, definitely it definitely is a time investment to create good good e-learning okay so what do you think about um options where you can either pick a stick or a carrot what do you uh, <laughs> what do you prefer it's funny that uh you bring up those terms because they're kind of i kind of have a um dislike for those terms only because i think it kind of over oversimplifies people even though i think if you were to study the brain and how we you know how we are incented through a dopamine response, I guess you could say, yes, there's a stick and a carrot. Um, but for the most part, when I come to work every morning, I don't come to work because of a stick or a carrot. I mean, in general, I guess you could say 
I come because I want to be doing what I'm doing and I want to be part of something bigger than um, than myself and I want to be excited about where we're going and those are things that I guess you could say are carrots that we need to cast the vision for um, with our employees um, but I think it's always I, to just answer your question I think it's always a blend of both I think there needs to be consequences maybe they're not exactly spelled out but there does need to be consequences for not um, you know, following through on what you're told to do by your, by your manager. And, um, and there, in many cases, we see companies that do things like if it's not in CRM as an opportunity, you don't get paid, uh, your compensation, or, um, maybe they might do something like they're, um, you know, each each quarter, each year, their CRM activity is evaluated for, you know, a certain percentage of their bonus, maybe. Um, so there are things that, practical things like that, that you can do. Um, but you just have to be really, really strategic and very careful about what kind of behaviors you are incenting. So if you say, well, part of your bonus is based on the number of phone calls you want. Well, phone calls you get, <laughs> you get phone calls. Uh, are they real phone calls that resulted in real sales? Um, or resulted in real service uh, quality. I don't know. So it just needs to be really thought out if you are going to be putting in um, very clear sticks or carrots. I generally don't recommend rolling out CRM or with a, a big stick like if you don't use this, you're fired kind of thing just doesn't resonate too well with most people. So No, that, that's a too big of a stick, I think. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Okay, so so you want the, the carrots or the compensation in, in some terms to align with the business values that you had. So what's good for the employee is good for the company as a whole. Yep. What's and good therein lies the problem because that's really hard to to go to do in a good way, right? Right. And you know, that's why I said that you, earlier that you have to come up with um something that can be tested, you know, a good plan that can be tested because it's there's not a single path, and it's funny because in our line of business, people do come to us and ask us, you know, what's the single path that we could take? There's not a single path where you can step on all the right colored squares and then voila, you get CRM success. So it's very much, you know, these things are very much like marketing. You have to experiment. You have to test your campaigns. You have to say, oh, my gosh, after so-and-so got up and demoed, you know, how they use CRM that just lit the team on fire. Maybe we should do more of that. So it's experimenting with different suggestions, and that's where back to the CRM UG, it's like, where are you going to get all these ideas? You've got to connect with other people who are doing this and get ideas of things that you can try, and, um, and there's a lot of wisdom to be gained from other people. If a customer is coming to you and say they want to try out a gamification, 
what what do you think about that um i think it could work i haven't had a customer yet that has really um taken gamification that i've worked closely with i think at power objects we have some customers that have worked with gamification but who have really taken it and just used it really um you know to the hilt in their in their organizations i've seen two case studies where people have presented and both of them were in a sales call center scenario selling sporting tickets and using gamification for um you know that type of of um dialing for dollars scenario and i think that's a really good use for um the the typical form of gamification where you need everybody to be sort of in the same role and they're all competing at the same level or have the same job tasks. Um, the Microsoft gamification that's just, you know, come out in the last couple of years is a really, really interesting concept, this fantasy uh, team gamification. Uh, one thing that it's I will fantasy say... fantasy sales teams, yeah. right? Yeah. It's a unique gamification scenario or, you know, tool. It's... It, involves not just one group. It's not like a call center where you have just one group of people, but you actually have, uh, you potentially could have people from all over the organization in different roles. So I like it. I like it brings the organization together. Um, I think what has prohibited most people that we're working with from doing it is it is another deployment. So most organizations that we're working with have a huge mountain ahead of them, and that is to deploy CRM. And to design a gamification on top of that is another task that in many cases is falling off the plate. So I think it could work, and I think it is neat. And I actually, when I talk to clients, I talk to them about potentially using gamification in a training scenario. That sounds perfect. I mean, let's forget your learning. Let's get, let's get this game on, right? Um, so that, that would be really neat to see. And I think we'll be doing some of that in the future, training or testing um, scenarios that are non-production. I think, um, gamification can really thrive and um, and then once it's in production I do hear from a lot of sales leaders and other business leaders that hey I don't want my team distracted with you know earning points I want you know especially sales people they have a points system and it's called money <laughs> yeah <laughs> they get paid so for sales. You know, to layer another point system on there, I think it needs to be evaluated whether that could work for them. So, um, so I'm at the beginning of this journey with gamification. I would love to, if you're actually listening to this and you have more scenarios that you want to send along of, hey, this really worked, we really loved it, it wasn't that big of a deal to adopt gamification, then I would love to hear more stories. Yeah, let's leave that in there and and we'll see who 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 comes along. Uh thank you for your participation in CRM Rocks, Gretchen. Alright, well thanks for having me. I appreciate it. It's been fun. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can comment or subscribe, just search for CRMRocks.com and you will find it.
See you next time on Serum Rocks.